This is WCBG, Wagner College's very own radio station. WCBG is broadcasted from Staten Island, New York. This is Janine, and today's interview is with Eyelid Kid. He'll be going on tour and will actually be in New York on Saturday, January 18th at the Sultan Room. The Sultan Room is located at 234 Star Street in Brooklyn, New York. Doors open at 7. Be sure to get tickets and stay tuned for this interview. Hello? Hi, is this Eyelid Kid? Yeah, this is. Hi, this Paul. is Janine. Nice Hi, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I realize I do that a lot. I never say my real name. It's okay. So, I was uh, gonna ask anyway, but <laughs> nice to meet you. How are you doing? It's going good. How are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you too. Uh, how you went back home, right? Yeah, I'm in Austin right now. How is it there? It's nice. It's um like in the 70s and. Yeah, not very winter-like, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's nice. It kind of snowed here yesterday in New York, so yay. I've heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fun. Right, just escaped the cold. Yeah, a for little a little bit. bit. <laughs> so um, I was wondering if you can tell me how you got interested in music. Yeah, um, my dad is a musician, so there really was just instruments laying around the house growing up we had a piano and a lot of guitars and I guess around like middle school me and my older brother just kind of naturally started picking them up um and you know we, we had been going to my dad's shows in Austin for like our whole lives and he had been playing there for like 30 years so um yeah it really happened pretty naturally everything I do is like self-taught or through my dad who was also self-taught um, so yeah, I kind of ran in the family and started out playing more like rock and roll and learning like Jimi Hendrix and shredding the guitar and all that. And then naturally kind of progressed with my generation of electronic music and more pop and hip hop influenced. So what's your favorite instrument to play? Um, right now my favorite instrument to play is this like drum pad that mm. keys off like vocal samples that's awesome. kind of like lead lead riffs you know mm-hmm. um yeah i think my favorite instrument has always been like the drums but it's definitely my worst instrument um i'm, I'm best at guitar but the drums are just really fun to hit <laughs> yeah I, I wish i knew how to play something like that like back in the day i used to play the trumpet which isn't really like band material <laughs> so i was right. yeah hey it could be you oh. never know yeah Maybe if it's a ska band, but like maybe not. <laughs> yeah, um, and then I I just added like a floor tom to the front of the stage, and I I kind of like douse it with this colorful baby powder, um, and then yeah, this drum pad next to it that plays a lot of like the the lead instrumentation of the set, and that's, that's kind of like the most fun part is to jump onto that station and just like beat it (laughs) that's pretty sick um can you describe your writing and production process for me yeah um lately I've been trying to just build a like as simple of an instrumental as I can that will like inspire writing and then I kind of just hook up a mic and start recording um like scat words 
until real words kind of like form out of those or or such. Um, sometimes I'll have more of a concept for a song before I go into it. And I'm connected with a lot of people via the internet who send me instrumentals. Um, so often, like if I get sent one that is, feels inspiring, I'll just kind of jump straight to it with vocals and lyrics. Um, but yeah, lately I'm trying to be more um, diligent on finishing the writing process before I like start mixing or producing because I don't know, the two can kind of get lost in each other. Um, so yeah, lately I've been really trying to focus on just like finishing the song without mm -hmm. any tricks or production behind it and making sure it like works as like on its own and then kind of going in and filling in like the ear candy of the track and you know having fun in the production I feel like that's super interesting because I know like they kind of go hand in hand but at the same time I feel like placing an emphasis on one over the other is kind of interesting yeah well it's, but... it's just it's so easy to like just want to like start throwing tons of drums or you know whatever you think the track should have eventually mm -hmm. but it's not always like the best case scenario because it kind of like you start relying on on those moments instead of like the lyrics being you know fully flushed out and saying what you want to say mm -hmm. so but at it's this... just kind of like a conscious like you know controlling my add and not jumping to like the later end of the track but at the same time, I feel like that like, layering in itself is this own kind of, kind of art that like you can hear a different side of the story through the different parts that are um, added, especially in like Rose Gold. I heard a lot of like nuances that I didn't really expect to hear at first, like, you know, and I feel yeah, like... no, you're totally right. That's like a, actually a prime example of like <laughs> kind of produce the track before I, I wrote it fully. It came together um, really well. Thank you. Yeah, and actually, I think there is like kind of a simplicity to what the lyrics. It, it kind of almost like puts more emphasis on the lyrics that you do have when mm -hmm. it's not, you know, like a full three pages of lyrics or, or whatever. I guess none of my songs are like that, but yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. I feel like it's kind of important today because, like, I know. I get in moods when I listen to different artists or like I'm in a mood and I want to listen to somebody and like listening to your tracks it kind of like made me take a step back and just be in the moment of the song because it was more so focusing on like the instrumental and I was kind of very surprised but also at the same time like it was necessary for me I don't know like yeah, yeah. no that's good to hear <laughs> like in the middle of my album right now so nice to hear that perspective so uh you're in the process of writing an album correct or it came out yeah yes um i guess i would say all the songs are written and almost all of them are produced and mastered i'm i'm kind of like the last home stretch of like tweaking little things um yeah so it's it's pretty close awesome because i noticed like um Talking to some other artists, I know with, like, Spotify culture, it's been super important for these, like, singles to be released. But at the same time, like, for me personally, I'm always like, oh, I want to hear an album because I want to hear a story. And Right. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting journey. So what is your opinion on streaming services like Spotify? 
Um, you know, my opinion changes like every day. And lately my opinion has been that I don't really want to worry about it. And like Mm -hmm. when I finish this, the plan is more so going to be to like try and build a team of people who are down to worry about it and who will kind of take some of that responsibility off of me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people listen to singles and I'm definitely one of those, um, but I do think that if, like, the single does, like, entice me, then I will, like, follow up with the album for sure. Um, I think that's how it's always been, but it's, I mean, and I also like just listening to albums, like, especially if it's something I've been anticipating for a while or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that it's just, like, if people like it, they like it, and they'll, like, listen to more, and they'll, you know keep an eye out for you and if not they'll listen to it once and move on or I, I really don't know I think it's a great answer um I <laughs> I do think like Spotify is great for like introducing to new artists because I found a lot of people like I never would have thought and sometimes they're the people that you're like oh my god I have to tell all my friends so it's always good on the topic of Spotify yeah. um about a month ago Spotify raps came out so what was your artist of the decade Oh gosh! Um, <laughs> if if I have to answer this, I think it was Drake. Okay. <laughs> but um, and you know I don't I don't have to defend that too much. Drake is a crazy, big good artist. But like I think um, more like in my top five was Tori Moi, Sam and Paula, Foster the People, I believe, and Frank Ocean. Nice. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was happy with the, the <laughs> runner-ups. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, like, no. when my friends asked me, I was super surprised at mine, but it happens. <laughs> it was, like, it's very strange. It was Set It Off. Um, wait, it was Set It Off, Fall Out Boy, Ed Sheeran, Shawn Mendes, and Against the Current. Oh, damn. <laughs> kind of a theme there. Yeah, so I kind of feel like I was all over the place, but at the same time I wasn't. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, music connects people, <laughs> all different yeah. types. So, uh, what mu- If you can play with any musician, dead or alive, who would it be and why? If I could do what? Um, record or perform with any musician, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Ah, uh, man, that's a really hard question. Can I give you like a dead and an alive answer? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, alive, I would probably say Frank Ocean. Mm. Yeah. Um, I just think he's an insane artist, and his stuff has a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, very talented, and I think a lot of people agree. Yes. Um, and then Dead, wow, maybe John Lennon? Although, I don't know, that sounds like a weird answer now when I say it. Um, it could be anyone, so I know it's a hard question. I don't know, it's hard. I mean, is Sam Cooke dead? I like him a lot. I just sound insensitive in this answer now. Um, I think, like, yeah. Okay. Sam Cooke, Frank Ocean. Okay, pretty interesting. I, I really like that. I have to my R&B self, but... <laughs> I like that a lot. Um... 
So what type of music are you listening to right now? And is it inspiring you for uh, future songs? I actually try to, like, not listen to too much music while I'm in, like, my album mode. Nice. Um, just because I think you could constantly be kind of changing the direction of where you're going, and I think influences do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see, I'm pulling up my Spotify. What have I been listening to? Um, I have been listening to... I don't know. Um, Brockhampton. Nice. If you're familiar with them. Yes. I kind of grew up, like, close-ish to them. Really? I was in I was in Austin while they were, like, doing their thing in San Marcos and kind of forming. And, yeah, it kind of, I think we, like, overlapped at some parties a few times. And I, That's pretty cool. I don't cool. know, they, they feel close to home in, in that regard, but I think just the kind of format of what they're doing with their band mm-hmm. is, is really interesting. And I'm actually part of a project that is pretty similar to that where there's kind of kids all across the world like in Europe and on both coasts and things like that um, there's like 12 of them wow. and yeah it's a bizarre experience <laughs> but um, it's fun and I and I think like um, it's kind of at least a future a future format of like making music get a lot of different influences really quickly mm-hmm. into one song or one album. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Like, everyone pulls inspiration from different things, but, like, at the same time, it has to be... I, like, I don't know. I, like, really like the answer how you said, like, when you're in an album mode, you're just, like, it's all, all coming from you, like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And just, like, what the song needs, hopefully, instead of, like what people are influencing me to do in the moment. Right. So since you're from Austin, is there a local scene there that you grew up with that kind of changed the way you looked at music? Yeah, most definitely. The uh, scene in Austin is super supportive, and there's a lot of places to play. And kind of right when I got out of high school, I joined joined this like art collective who is hosting parties and those parties kind of grew out of house parties into like venues and then um they started like selling out venues pretty frequently and I started getting really close with them so I would be like headlining these shows out of high school that were like 600 plus people um attending and it just was like this really like momentum gaining thing mm-hmm. um, and it was really hard to leave that but I did decide to leave it to move to LA like three years ago yeah I always like so, yeah I always like asking it was impactful <laughs> and it was really supportive but also it's it's still alive and um, well it's definitely still alive and I'm kind of tapping back into it now and I've, like, gone back every year for different occasions um, and still have this, like, really strong hometown support. That's so sweet and, like, so nice. I feel like coming from New York or at least, like, on Staten Island, there is, like, no scene. The scene does not exist. It's, like, dead. So for me, it's kind of interesting to 
hear about all these different places where this there's like the supportive environment where younger artists and like newer artists can like flourish because here I kind of feel like New York can be a stopover not really like budding but at the same time like it exists but not really totally and I, I mean I think you know what I've seen like slowly growing in Austin is like more of a environment for pop or more of an audience for like pop and electronic and hip-hop rather than just like psych rock right which is definitely like the prominent um there's just so many psych bands here um but um it's cool to see like that venues are starting to like kind of open up to just other genres in general um yeah, and it seems like, I don't know, I guess every city kind of has, like, multiple scenes, but it seems like Brooklyn is also, like, pretty heavy with grunge and mm-hmm. psych rock. But I think that's just because, like, people more at that, like, local level tend to, like, be playing that kind of music, I think. Yeah, probably. Think most people, when they're, like, when they're trying to make pop, they're kind of, like, coming at it at, like, a different angle and trying to, like, skip mm-hmm. the whole local scene. But no, yeah, I don't know. I kind of feel it's that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's but, hard um, to We're playing our first show out in Brooklyn this month, so I'm oh, nice. really excited about that. That's very exciting. Um, you're going on tour in a few days, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, our kickoff is Friday. Nice. Can you tell me a little bit about your plans for tour? Yeah, so we're going to kick off here out of Austin, and then we're going to go play San Marcos the next day. Mm-hmm. And then we have a, a very long drive up to New York. Um, and then we're going to be playing two shows in Brooklyn. And then I think a show in Philly, but that one is just still, I don't know, Philly seems like a strange city. And that one's still trying to get locked down. But, um, and then we have three more shows in Memphis, Chattanooga, and Nashville. Nice. All kind of on the way back to Austin, so... Yeah, it should be fun. It should be kind of like a little mini tour, kind of like in the Tennessee area with those three shows and in the Austin area and then in Brooklyn. That's exciting. So what's your favorite venue that you've played in or are you looking forward to play in during this tour? Um, I think I'm looking forward to playing the Sultan Room in Brooklyn the most. It just has, like, a really great reputation to it. I've seen photos of the stage, and everyone I've been talking to about kind of landing that show has just, like, held the Sultan Room in, like, really high regards. And, like, I think all my friends are excited to kind of, like, group up there. Um, yeah, it's a yeah, pretty lit venue. Yeah, it'll just be the first time on the East Coast for us. So. Oh, really? Yeah. That's and even though I, I kind of lived out there for a year and a half, and... Still, I'm kind of like in between Austin and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, but my band lives in Austin, so it was kind of like difficult to get a show together out there last year. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting. But, yeah. Like East Coast. And then the Viper Room in LA was a really fun venue and also like kind of a, a historic type venue. Okay, can you describe the one in LA for me? Because I don't know much about it. Yeah, I mean. Um, I, the Viper Room was like, I think it was, um, 
Johnny Depp's venue. He like opened it up like a long time ago, and I, I want to say that's right. I gotta like research that. <laughs> it's it has history to it though, okay. and like everyone talks about like the Viper Room on Sunset, and I mean it's kind of like just a dive bar in mm. a sense. I mean it has a nice stage, but it's not super big. Like the room is like 300 capacity, and when I moved out to LA, I was just ready to play a show out there and my drummer and dancers flew in and we had like a whole kind of electronic lineup there and we sold the venue out and it was great it's a lot of fun that's exciting i feel like some of the best venues are like the ones that are like little holes in the wall because like it's that intimate experience yeah yeah that's definitely the case there so I have a question that our PR director, Grace, came up with, and we've been asking everyone, and we've been getting very, very different answers, and it, sometimes I feel like it's controversial, but what is your opinion on releasing an artist's unreleased music after they've passed away? Should it be released or should it not? Oh, man. I'm reading this book right now that's kind of influencing me to, like, say like nothing we do really belongs to us mm-hmm. I, and I mean that was not really in the book but that's kind of like how it makes me feel mm-hmm. and so I would say like I think it's okay I think like releasing an artist's music after they like deceased is like totally fine I just don't think it's usually good mm-hmm. it's like sequels to movies for me yes. like they're never good, but like, I guess it doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Because um, one, I don't think the person who died like really cares. Um, you know, they're not here anymore. I, I don't know. I just like, I think like everything should just be like given and put out there. There should be more of it. And like, I think we are moving more into a spirit of like, everyone's taking, everyone's like sampling, everyone's just like. Mm-hmm. There's, like, less and less, like, law behind it. And I kind of think that's, like, in the end, like, a better way for, like, art to kind of just breathe with whoever, like, wants to put it out. I mean, but then it's, like, it always, like, boils down to, like, intention. And if someone's, like, intention is just to, like, milk money from the artist after they pass, like, of course, that's not, like a good thing Mm -hmm. but I think I don't know yeah Yeah, I guess that's my my answer it's like sure it should but that it probably won't be good (laughs) or at least I haven't heard a lot of good stuff come from dead artists yeah that's why like as a fan I know like you want to hear more and you want it to be public domain but at the same time it's like would the artist actually be happy with the final product that was released but you still want to hear it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you can't, you'll never know, you know. Yeah. It's... If they would have been happy. And yeah, it is, a, it's a weird, it's a weird subject. There, there should be a conversation around it. That's for sure. That is I, could, I feel like I could easily be like, you know, turned the other way if someone was like, had a really powerful argument towards it. But I don't know. Intuitively, I, I feel that like, you know, it it doesn't really matter, and that it should everything should potentially be released. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's kind of why we ask this question because we want to try to start that conversation about this since it's becoming so prominent today. Like that Whitney Houston song with Kygo or like, um, oh, the, what, there was an example that I was given, the Little Peep song. Oh, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of little, I feel like, yeah, both with like Little Peep and XXX, there's like as much material being like released still as like when they were alive. Right. Which is kind of like bizarre. Like that means someone is working pretty hard to like milk every little demo that they like touched but that's why i think it's like it's not good it's because like they would have released it if it was good and if it was ready mm-hmm. um it's like they're they're going into their hard drive and grabbing like just little ideas that you know it's like if you took a writer and like took their like, notes out of their phone and tried to like build like a harry potter out of it it's mm-hmm. like just not going to be the same um Right. So maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. But then I, I guess I could see like certain cases where like, um, I don't know, like why not at least have those? I mean, maybe it should just be like branded as something else, like not necessarily like under their artist and under their discography from when they were alive, but like, you know, their dead mixtape or something. That's not a great term for it, but like... <laughs> No, I like that concept. That's the first time I've heard that one. That's pretty interesting. Like, this this topic has been compared to, like, Kurt Cobain's journal, so anything's possible. Yeah, that's true. No. And I don't know. That's, that's crazy. It's mm-hmm. kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. So on a different note, what do you do when you're not uh, making music? Um... I mean, lately that that just hasn't been a thing. <laughs> um, I've I've been acting a, a good oh. amount, um, so I act and I work out, um, and I really like to go outside and go on adventures and rock climb. And I'm pretty outdoorsy, but that kind of comes after other things. But there'll definitely be some moments on tour where I'll be able to run around and jump on rocks <laughs> yeah the outdoors is kind of nice like growing up in a city or like well Staten Island's not real it's a city but like there's a lot of trees so like there's parks and paths and mostly parks and nothing else to do yeah, yeah the outdoors is so refreshing <laughs> instead of like going to Manhattan where you see skyscrapers everywhere it's true yeah growing up in Austin I was pretty close to a lot of like awesome nature spots just like springs and campgrounds and yeah I did a lot of that growing up okay so my last question for you would be what are your plans for the new decade of 2020 well to go on this tour release an album and then ideally like book a more prominent role in the acting world Nice. Yeah, that's kind of like my big goals. Um, that's super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have any crazy resolutions or anything, but it's just, you know, more of everything. Mm-hmm. Clarify the story to my fans existing and, you know, just put out content that I'm really proud of. I absolutely love that. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. Yeah, of course.
So have a great Thank day. Thank you for oh. asking me some interesting questions. Oh, no problem. Thank you for giving some really insightful answers. Like, they were really good. Nice. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs> okay, you too.